This is the EPLOG audio experience. Film is clearly a sophisticated art, possibly the most important art of the 20th century with a rather complex history of theory and practice, writes James Monaco in his book How to Read a Film. So far in our podcast, The Artists, we have had filmmakers, writers, critics, programmers from festivals, musicians, thinkers, defining their combinatorial skills. We at Metaphysical Lab have been striving to expand the realm of our podcast, which in turn gives a wider uh, canvas to the understanding of our experiences. And also we have tied up with Epilogue Media, the podcasting network. So you can find us on their website, Epilogue Media slash The Artist. And of course, you can continue to listen to us on the platforms that you choose from Apple Podcasts to Spotify to GeoSavant to Google Podcast. Everything is mentioned in the description. I'm your host, Suchita, and I'm looking forward to a wonderful journey ahead with all of you. Do you know the farmers are also females? Do you know the algorithms are designed from a male perspective? Do you know there are no LGBTQIA people in the STEM community? Do you know a woman in every field gets paid half the amount of money for work despite the same work as a man? Do you know? Hi guys, welcome to the 113th episode of our podcast The Artist with me Suchita and today we have with us Dr. A.L. Sharda. Dr. A.L. Sharda is the director of Population First and spearheads the media advocacy campaign for gender sensitivity largely, which had initiated conversations with many influencers in print and electronic media, script writers and other content developers through awards, fellowships, workshops and consultations. She was a member of Central Board for Film Certification, also initiated gender analysis of ads and films in print media. She reviews and scores the ads released every week in the campaign. India magazine for gender sensitivity. She was invited by the U.S. government under the International Visitors Leadership Program on the role of NGOs in addressing global gender issues in June 2009. She is appointed as an international consultant by the UNFPA Bangladesh to develop media sensitization module on gender-based sex selection. Hi, Dr. Sharda. Welcome to our podcast, The Artist. And uh, thank you for being here and thank you for taking our time. Thank you for sharing this amazing book with me. Of course, Vinta actually gave me the lead of it. What really sort of excited me was the fact that the book Deep Dive is about gender perspective in media reporting that you've compiled. Just to introduce this to our audience, what made you get this book together? Thank you, Suchita, for calling me for this podcast, to be a part of this podcast. I'm really very, um, I feel very honored and privileged. And um, yeah, uh, thanks for that. Uh, sure. the, 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 we conduct uh, something called the Ladley Media Awards for Gender Sensitivity. Mm-hmm. We have a huge media advocacy project where mm-hmm. we are working with the, you know, where we are working on building the capacities of the media personnel on writing from a gender perspective. Mm-hmm. And we also have uh, uh, high level interactions with the media leaders 
opinion makers, influencers on mm-hmm. promoting gender sensitivity in media organizations, advertising agencies, film institutes, and yeah. in uh, in the uh, in the film industry. Yeah. And then we also have a reward mechanism uh, by which we say that there is some so much good writing is happening, but we are not uh, really looking out for it. And mm. generally, we keep complaining. Media is so bad. Media is bad. Media is not doing this. You know, we have a very negative opinion about media. But yes. there is a lot that is happening which is positive. And we mm. need to really identify them, acknowledge them, and then felicitate them. So that we create a positive, uh, you know, energy and a positive wave. So that the person yeah. who gets the award talks about it. And then somebody else also feels inspired to write a story. So yeah. this book is a compilation of the award win- some of the award-winning entries from this year's edition. Tell me, Dr. Sharda, there are a lot of lot of sections in the book that are beautifully put and you've started with transgender transgender persons and their protection of rights which is a 2019 bill and despite the fact that the bill has already been passed and of course takes time to implement something uh, when once the bill gets approved there is still a lot of unfair treatment there's denial of services there's education issues there's healthcare issues many forms of stigma that transgender people go through and also you've also mentioned uh, in the compilation the article written by a specific journalist also mentions the fact that 96% of them are engaged in low paying and undignified work as much as like begging or even sex workers i was interacting with a few transgender community members and they are still facing a lot of and they are highly educated do you see with you know as we are growing hopefully as a more cultured society do you see transformation happening where the acceptance and the dignity is valued yeah i think uh, first and foremost uh, you know the first step is awareness mm. right yes many of us are not even aware that there are people who are not like us, the cisgender, um, yeah. you know, um, uh, yeah. people. And uh, we don't want to learn about them. We don't want to acknowledge them. So we we are totally blind to their existence, right? So yeah. there is more, uh, there, is an, uh, there is a need to give more visibility to them, mm-hmm. write about them, uh, make movies about them normalize Mm -hmm. them as much as possible and visibilize them you know they're totally invisible in our eyes like you know we we just don't see them at all even when we see them we see them from a particular perspective of a person who's clapping at the uh, you know yes uh, crossroads or somebody who's very irritating and begging at the crossroads or uh, or as you know because they're at the fringe of the society they're very much marginalized And uh, we are quite comfortable not acknowledging them. So the first and foremost uh, uh, thing is to give them visibility. Talk about them. Let them talk about themselves. Give them the space to talk about themselves, you know. Mm -hmm. It's not that we are doing a favor by talking about them, but give them the voice. Give them the uh, scope to talk about their issues. And, uh, uh, you know, mm, now with the social media and uh, many the change in the communication industry, I feel it is much, much easier for them to reach out to people, talk about their issues, 
we have the kashish film festival we have so many yeah. groups and uh, particularly the corporates are trying very hard to build inclusive organizations trying to bring in uh, a wide uh, range of people into the organizations etc including the iits and others they realize that there are lgbtqi people in their organizations and they need to provide for them you know uh, they cannot say that uh, needs of everybody are the same no they yeah. have different kinds of needs different kinds of acceptance and um, a sense of uh, uh, what you security and safety in the organizations you know so yeah. i feel we are at the first creating awareness then comes introspection then comes change so but okay. we we are doing good in terms of uh, at least uh, underscoring the importance mm. of uh, uh, you know being inclusive and acknowledging that there are people other than us in the world yeah that's beautiful beautifully put so first is the stage of awareness then there's the stage of introspection and then comes the change so we yeah. are we are in the first level right now the level of creating awareness and visibility and understanding that there are other people around that's beautifully put there is also mention in the section in the book which talks about no lgbt community people as scientists the few ones refuse to talk because they know that there might not be acceptance where do you see this heading and and we when we're talking about scientific community we're talking about people who are much more aware about these issues more than the normal people so there the awareness is all, already there so what is the steps yeah. next steps that you feel should be taken there see the awareness may be there but then yeah. the phobia is also there like phobia. you know mm. you you think it is something abnormal it is mm. something you are not comfortable with right so even though you may not be outright discriminatory or abusive uh, uh, you know with them but uh, deep down there is a fear of the non normal you know the typically normal that we consider is normal we consider yeah mm. anything that is not normal in that sense um, mm. makes us uh, feel uncomfortable whether you are a scientist you are a philosopher or a technologist or uh, whatever it is so there is a uh, there is a need to even reach out to them you know they are part of the society they may be educated they may be you know very highly qualified but deep yeah. down they they carry the same gender perceptions of two genders male and female and all others are not to be taken into cognizance kind mm. of a thing so it is uh, it's much much uh, deep rooted deep uh, you know deeply internalized uh, kind of a thing so we cannot expect just because they are you know high profile organizations and they are all high profile individuals highly qualified that they will be more sensitive than uh, somebody who is not uh, so qualified it's very strange you know that and i constantly ask this question that people who are highly educated and also understand things uh, can have such deep rooted biases uh how difficult is that to actually uproot from someone and then create uh, uh and then bring out change because the awareness is there and the bias is also there the awareness is there but you know we should give them more opportunities to break out of their silos right break out of yeah. their own cocoons you know that yeah. is possible when we give greater visibility to those uh, Uh, to trans lgbtqi people in the mm. working space like right? you know in the organization mm. you know as colleagues as uh, 
you know friends as uh, partners you know when you have more interaction with them then yeah. there is a chance of overcoming the fear overcoming the hesitation overcoming hmm. the apprehensions you know hmm. so it is very important that uh, uh, we have more opportunity we create more opportunities in the organization to hmm. for different people to mingle so it's often said that a, a Uh, organization which is diverse in its content is yeah. uh, in in its uh, composition is not necessarily inclusive so you may have trans people in the organization but do you involve them in all the team activities do you involve them in all kinds of uh, uh, you know interactions that are happening in the organization or are you just sidelining them in the organization that is also something which the uh, you know the organization leaders need to look into and once mm-hmm. is more exposure you start seeing them and understanding them better true so dr shada when you when you talk about we when you talk about we we need to give them more exposure we need to have more acceptance what is the the range of that we that we should look at see everybody because i see uh we because including me like you know yes. all of us in yes. various positions in yeah. various contexts you know wherever mm. we are uh, having an influence okay because uh, uh, why uh, it may look as if i'm othering them by saying that yes. we using the word we yeah. my intention is not that i mm. say we because in an organization for instance in an iit yeah uh, uh, you know unless the management the teachers association and others who yeah. are you know the cisgender um, the what you call the typical i put normal in that quotes okay not yeah. i'm not saying others are but yes. we think yes. oh, we are normal that is yes. the perception right yes so yeah. the, sure. the uh, and because we are in power positions of power we are in positions of influence yeah we need to work yeah to give that space for the other uh, the trans and lgbtqi community to come out and then make a space for themselves it's very important because yes uh, it's something like um, affirmative action yeah is it yeah. it's very difficult for them to uh, for the lgbtqi community to they are doing it's not that they are not doing they are depending on others there are a lot of initiatives which are started by the lgbtqi community to you know um, yeah give more space and voice to them, themselves so yeah. that that is happening but i think we being responsible for the discrimination we being responsible for the uh, marginalization of the uh, community i feel yeah. that we should be responsible for yeah. undoing the wrong that is done sure sure so basically it trickles down from the topmost from top to the bottom so it's yeah. not just the responsibility of people who are making laws or people running the country or head of an organization it is the responsibility of each one of us to actually yes. change our perspective to bring out the change so it's our responsibility and not just passing it on yes. to what the law does and um, so beautifully said because it said, doesn't matter mm. you know uh, for instance as you rightly said that you know 
there is no discrimination as such in our education system, right? Yeah. It, yeah. it doesn't anywhere say that LGBTQI people are not eligible to go for higher education, but they're, yes. not, they're not able to go for higher education because if somebody comes in the class, I ridicule them. I don't mm. give them uh, mm. opportunities. I sideline them. I marginalize mm. them. And they don't have the wherewithal, the economic uh, wherewithal to uh, pursue education, etc. So the law is there. Commitment is there. There is no open op- discrimination against them. But so much discrimination happens because everybody around is having that discriminatory perspective. Yes. Yes, absolutely. There's a very interesting line in your book, which which says that sexuality of an individual sometimes evolves with time. And it's a good idea to see such an evolution getting space in a broad, plural, rich society. So the evolution of sexuality versus there's another line that is there, which is sex assigned at birth and their gender identity. So how do we sort of make this more of a of an awareness in people that the sexuality of a person can get evolved over time and it's not just what the person is born with in a gender like we constantly say the girl and the boy so the girl is uh, you know in certain sections is good the boys in certain sections is good or you know we just want the boy but how do we create an awareness that it does not matter because after a point you do not know what is the orientation the person will take and we do not even know why that happens scientifically it is it's it's very true i recently you know uh, i watched a very interesting advertisement uh, i think mm. it is made by one of the un organizations you know so mm. it talks of uh, uh, a boy who likes to dress up like a girl and he doesn't like to fly kites, but he wants to dance and yeah. all that. It, it's very beautifully done. And it's no so, one's, it's uh, no one's, uh, just butting it here, it's no one's sort of, you cannot say, if I may use the word fault, as the society constantly puts at, yeah. you know, it's no I, one's fault. It's just their evolution as individuals. Yeah. And we need to correct it. That is another thing. It's a fault yes. which needs to be corrected, right? Of, yes. So yes. I, I, I think uh, once again, I, the fear or the non-acceptance comes from this overwhelming obsession with, uh, you know, uh, the concept of gender as only male and female, man and woman. And that is basically uh, uh, the binary is what, uh, is so very uh, important in society for people for uh, you know various institutions and then uh, uh, it takes a lot of effort on the part of the parents on the part of the friends teachers and you know everybody to understand that uh, you know it's okay to be different it's okay to be different from what is normal right you know what is considered yeah. as normal yeah so it is it, it takes a lot of effort and uh, Mm, and uh, yeah, uh, there's not much conversation happening about it because, yeah. um, you know, like even people who are in uh, academics and who are very uh, evolved in terms of intellectual, this thing, they find it very difficult to accept that, uh, like, you know, they're all aberrations. They, you know, like, it, is it, and why should we talk about it in schools? Maybe then yeah. all boys will start thinking that they are 
girls or girls will start thinking they are yes. boys or you know like we are putting ideas into their brain so we should not have this kind of conversations you know uh, uh, in the schools and in uh, colleges kind of a thing we have a long long way to go like you yeah. know we just started we not even baby steps you know like we just started we just started yeah talking about these issues and yeah. this even in our own uh, understanding there are many gaps like you know um, uh, it's not that we have a perfect understanding uh, so uh, it's not an easy thing it's, it's not, not it's too interconnected thing. it's yeah. too interconnected but i'm sure i'm sure there's a you know that the stone has been thrown and the ripple will yeah. hopefully get created you know definitely you know like uh, when we started uh, the ladley media awards uh, 12 15 15 years back we mm. hardly had any stories on transgender i mean lgbtqi mm. Uh, sure. thing now i have got such beautiful stories you have read some of them yes. you have some more uh, you know audio uh, uh, electronic entries also and yeah. we have films like badaid ho we have uh, yeah. uh, you know chandigarh kare aashiki and then yes. we had uh, uh, so uh, uh, aligarh we had so many films which talk, which are done sensitively and which talk about these issues which are in the popular media I mean, when did you last see? A, I mean, when did you see a movie of that nature uh, before last ten years? Like we usually had uh, the hijras or some uh, the uh, gay people was shown as comic relief in films. You know, they will talk, dance, and all. You know, like uh, it was never a serious look into their lives. Whereas now we are looking into the problems they face, the kind of uh, um uh the um, stigma that they face so it is it has changed a lot you know we are being a lot more uh, sensitive and lot more um, i think uh, understanding of uh, uh, the issues of uh, lgbtq and and trying to normalize it as much as possible yeah absolutely and i think the younger generation coming out of the colleges are much more respective about uh, yeah. the dignity of people in uh, yes. various genders this very I have interesting a lot of yeah. hope with the new on the uh, from the i mean hope on new generation because they are <laughs> yes. very different they are much more open thanks to internet thanks to yes. the conversations True. that keep happening on the internet so i i see a ray of hope <laughs> yes yes absolutely dr sharda very important thing mentioned in the book is about how the algorithms are trained to see things from a very misogynistic perspective and algorithms are right now the way we see things are actually building the future of the world of the communities of people even in the kind of content that we create what are you what are your thoughts about being cognizant about the algorithms when they're selecting things see i am not very well versed with this uh, mm. whole um, process of algorithms and all that but i know sure. that they are mm. there all the time tracking us and then you know you know sort of telling us what to think you know that's yeah. what i understand from the algorithms and yeah. i think uh, uh, we must uh, acknowledge that science is not value neutral science mm. is as much influenced by the gender as the as any other field and particularly because uh, intellectual and other things are 
associated with uh, masculinity and uh, male identity so you have a uh, you know, a lot of uh, issues, uh, women are totally sidelined. Like there's a whole discussion on how women are, uh, medicines or drugs are not tried on women and they take man as the standard for uh, testing drugs and other things, which causes a lot of problems for women, uh, you know, in terms of uh, uh, their, uh, uh, the impact of the drugs on their health. So basically, uh, yeah, we really... Uh, what whoever are there and the kind of uh, um, I, I, I don't know much about uh, the way the algorithms uh, function so I won't be able to say much yeah. but I think uh, wherever there is a fear or where there is uh, there is a chance of you know um, something going wrong it's better yeah. that we start working on it at the very beginning and yeah. be conscious of it and yeah. uh, uh, and uh, create a little noise about it create a little conversation yeah. about it and then yeah. ensure that you know uh, that doesn't happen yeah it's like the algorithms are giving you a male gaze of the world and yeah. the other gazes are lacking so perhaps that's <laughs> that needs to be <laughs> looked into yeah. uh, there is also a very interesting point in the book which is about gender affirmative health care and how that is lacking uh, would you like to True. talk a bit about that? Yeah, the, there's a very, like when I read that article, I had my, I, I, it almost, you know, like it was blood curdling, you know, the kind of uh, um, uh, lack of acknowledgement in the medical field that there are people who do require health services which are different from the health services uh, required by the uh, non-LGBTQI uh, people. So the whole, uh, like, you know, whether it is hormonal treatment or sex uh, 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 transformation and yeah. other things, there is no, there are no facilities and there is mm. no counseling available and there is no aftercare available for them. And mm. considering most of them are poor and they are not having the uh, resources to go for, uh, you know, highly professional services. Uh, 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 most of them um, are suffering because of the aftermath of the surgeries and uh, other things. Yeah. So yeah. it is time that we recognize that uh, our health policy or our uh, uh, health policies, etc., should also have clear cut uh, you know, allocations for the health of the people uh, from the LGBTQI communities and then particularly the trans people. And yeah. then also there is a lot of need for sensitization of the medical profession to the to this fact that, you know, how do you behave? How do you respond when you get a trans person coming for, you know, yeah any kind of health care. So yes. like in all fields, even in medical health care field, we need a lot of awareness. We have to create a lot of awareness. We have to sensitize people like the way we are sensitizing people in media. We need to sensitize people in uh, this thing. We need to also look into the curriculum of the medical you know, courses and see how they are uh, projecting uh, health issues of the you know trans persons you know whether there is anything about how to handle them etc 
So the, there is a lot that needs to be done because uh, I, I only when I read it, I realized how difficult it must be for, you know, uh, somebody who wants to transition into uh, transition or somebody who wants to seek health services from a regular government hospital. Hmm. True. There's also a very interesting section on the agriculture and the systemic bias that exists in the agriculture sector. And it's beautifully written with the perspective of uh, Kasturba Bai and there yeah. is Phula Devi there. Of course, Kasturba Bai's story is about how her male partners or, uh, you know, the male gender gets uh, 200 rupees and she gets almost half of that, 100 rupees for the yeah. same amount of work. And also the beautiful story of the migrant worker, Pula Devi. It's a very inspiring story that how she was traveling uh, during the pandemic and then she actually started to do her own business in the land and how she grew. Yeah. I think this is these are beautiful, inspiring stories coming from the economic sector that we pay the least attention to. Any thoughts there? How can we... Awareness is there. Do you see the change happening where individuals are actually wanting equality in their wages? Yes, uh, I think... Uh... Uh, the discrimination in wages, the wage gap is quite uh, uh, wide in uh, in the informal sector, you know, like, um, and uh, uh, yeah, when I read uh, that story about Fula, I had goosebumps, you know, I said, wow, what, a, you know, like, why did we not think of something like that? And uh, it was always, I always used to say that, you know, when there is a suicide, farmer's suicide, we are only talking about the man, what happened, you know, and after True. he dies, the woman becomes only a widow, farmer's widow. But mm. she was a farmer in her own, she's a farmer in her own right, right? She was and we never, and we never call, and we never use the word farmer for a woman. We, we always yeah. think of a man when we talk about farmers. And she is his wife. That's all. Yeah, <laughs> so. exactly. Exactly. Imagine that. So when you, when uh, she gets, uh, when he, he dies and she becomes a widow of a farmer, but she's a farmer in her own right, right? Why don't we invest in her, invest in giving her technicals? Because the technical part, buying seats, uh, you know, getting loans, all that is handled by the man. She never, go, she never gets involved in those. But after he dies, the family takes away the land, the gone, she is not capable of, uh, you know, marketing and other things. So she becomes just a farmer's wife. But why not we invest in her training, giving her, you know, financial literacy, uh, uh, expose her to financial literacy, give her yes. technical training, expose her to market, create cooperatives for those women so that they can sell their produce uh, in the market in a more system. But we never think of that because we feel, yeah, she's just a widow. You know, yeah. that is the whole uh, purpose. Uh, that's the whole attitude. And uh, I'm, uh, I mean, it, it is, it really takes courage to say that I don't want to, go. I mean, I see Pula Devi's story, not just as an, as an inspiring story for the women, but I see it as an inspiring story for everyone who is stuck in this migration cycle, you know? Yeah. So yeah. I think there are opportunities uh, within the village, within the uh, this thing. And uh, I think it is important that we empower them to access those, you know, opportunities, the government schemes and programs, so that, you know, we really uh, uh, do not have this kind of uh, migration where they are at the 
mercy of the people for whom they are working. Let migration be an empowering exercise. Like I'm not against migration. You have we all have migrated all over the world, right? But for a better life, you know, for a better, um, you know, op- for better opportunities, not at the, uh, not as a vulnerable person who can be exploited by the people. You know, so that ha- can happen only when you have your own uh, uh, identity and, uh, you know, uh, you are able to get your own opportunities within your own community. And Fula Devi really, uh, you know, um, uh, demonstrates that yes. uh, um, understanding. And I really liked uh, the other story also because, you know, it shows her great and uh, determination to make her voice heard it is it's just that she wanted to go and then do it so uh, uh, we need to tell these stories because we need to you know um, give that dignity to and uh, respect and uh, identity to women farmers so I was very happy to read those stories and include in the book yeah it's beautifully done. The book Deep Dive has such other interesting stories. There are 35 chapters. And uh, of course, we will not be able to cover everything. And I would wa- have, I had wanted to talk, but because of the limited time, there's a very interesting story, which is about Bias Watch India, the, the, the startup, if I may say, that's been started. And the word is so strong, Bias Watch India. Uh, just uh, if you would like to elaborate a bit on, on that. See, this um, Bias Watch is actually an initiative uh, 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 and then uh, Vaishnavi, I think. Yeah. So uh, uh, she herself is a a victim of a lot of uh, discrimination and uh, bias in her own uh, organization. And she uh, fought with it. And then she is very conscious of the fact that women don't get their due in the STEM field. And then uh, she has started this uh, initiative called Bias Watch, which is, I mean, uh, which is an amazing initiative where uh, they actually uh, look at the uh, the participation of women in high level conferences and uh, other academic events, and then see whether there is a fair fair representation of women, and uh, uh, and if there is no fair representation, why it is not there, and then they also have a uh, you know, um, to see how many women are in that field to begin with and whether they are fairly represented in the um, event that is being uh, organized. And I think this is very important because many times uh, when I go for workshops or something, then I suddenly see that, um, mm. you know, um, there are more uh, men and there is a token woman. The other day I was yeah. talking to some scriptwriters, we had an event with the scriptwriters mm. and one of the mm. scriptwriters was saying that, Are re, teen scriptwriters uh, male ho gaye to ek uh, aurat ko leke aate hai. <laughs> and then they, she was telling it is so infuriating that uh, she is not brought in to, uh, to benefit from her uh, uh, her her skills but yeah. uh, just to you know sort of validate whatever is happening oh there is yes. a woman and she agreed kind of a thing so that yeah. is tokenism right yes so yes are we really going to give a due space to women and for that we have we all have to be watchful at the risk of being called uh, you know um spoiled sports <laughs> you know yeah it's, they say oh yeah. you're finding fault with everything oh it is what is there but you know the <laughs> thing is that uh, 
uh, we need, really need to. And I say the same thing, like whenever we have any program on gender, inevitably it has only women panels. Hardly mm. any men join or uh, I think even we are biased in the sense we also go and pick up women who are working on that in that field and then we end up having more women than men. So this kind of a you know division happens and but when it comes to men and uh, dominating the academic or any other field it is not just um, it is much much widespread it is much more common and it is that way and because it is marginalizing the women it is much much more uh, harmful so we really need to be watchful like you know whether uh, particularly women in the STEM subjects are getting their due. Because the more visibility we give to them, there will be more women, girls aspiring to enter those fields. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, coming from the personal experience, even in media and filmmaking, we do not see a uh, lot of women being involved in it. In fact, the bias is too deep-rooted to the fact that I remember sitting in rooms of filled with men and I'm the only one giving a presentation. I'm wondering where is, it's in advertising, it's in film industry uh, with regards to companies. It is now that I think because of these small initiatives, we can see women trickling inside the boardrooms where you can interact yeah. with them, which I think better late than never uh, better <laughs> we are building for something for what the future generation is going to come and sort of benefit out of it so i think it's so amazing and uh, uh, i the book is so brilliant uh, i hope we can do more with it dr sharda and there's so much more to dig into like there are public toilets there is sports the yeah. discrimination in sports there is the dark women uh, phenomenon, if I may call it. There is also the pandemic that has, the women have suffered immensely in terms of the work. We also do not talk about sex workers, which is mentioned here, what they went through during the pandemic. Um, just quickly, if you would like to highlight that aspect, uh, pandemic and sex workers. Yeah, uh, I think uh, one of the most uh, uh, vulnerable sections in our society are the uh, sex workers and uh, you know they are not recognized as workers they do not get uh, any of the benefits there is so much of stigma attached to them and then there's so much of poverty exploitation violence name it they have all the all these uh, uh, issues and uh, during pandemic uh, suddenly uh, you know the trade stopped and then they were uh, they were not receiving any customers and then they were not getting any relief from the uh, people and um, like in uh, uh, Santoshi uh, has done a beautiful documentary on sex workers during pandemic and uh, you find Santoshi Mishra and you she yeah. we have the voices of the women uh, sex workers you know talking about they said that okay you give us rations but where do I get the gas where do I get uh, the, you know, mm, oil? Like, you know, where do I get yeah. all those things? You know, dry rations are not going to help us. You know, yes. like uh, how how uh, we just think, okay, but then they all use small cylinders that gets over. Where do they get the cylinder? So uh, uh, that's uh, that was the state and it was really bad. And then the 
the sex workers associations have appealed and then the uh, the court has said that you know they should be treated as informal workers and relief should be provided to them and when the relief is provided then it was provided as dry rations with no other support system so uh, you know that lack of empathy and uh, lack of understanding of their lives you know this ha- this happens with everything the majority community or the majority population does not know the lives of the people who are not the uh, who are the minorities whether it is sexual minorities whether it is um, sex workers or informal workers or whatever it is you know so we we are not really aware of their lives you know what yeah thank you so much dr sharda really really appreciate your time and coming on the show uh, compiling such an important book which i hope can bring about a massive change and create an impact thank you so much suchita it is really very nice and i would like to say you know i am only the catalyst actually the stories were written by a number of journalists and uh, i owe you know deep gratitude to them and the credit goes to them and not to me thank you so much so it's awareness and then comes introspection and then comes change I hope this episode was insightful in multiple perspectives. It was definitely for me for one. I did not know the farmers are female as well. So many things to be done, so little time. I hope we are able to create some form of dent in the universe and leave an impact for the future generation to take care and to move forward faster and make the world a better place. So while I'm pondering on the episode and you should ponder on too, Do not forget to follow us for the latest episodes and updates on the podcast on our social media handles Metaphysical Lab which is on Twitter and Instagram and of course you can find me on LinkedIn. Take care guys and have a pondering weekend.